for carrying out the legacy of your parents. You see, if it weren't for this ministry being carried out by you, my life would have probably ended in destruction, jails, and an early death. Your walk with the Lord inspires me, and that's what I want for my life, too. And I love you, and I appreciate you. I just found out about this last night, but um, so I didn't, and I wasn't really real sure, so I'm gonna wing it, kind of, except for I wrote it all. I can't really wing it if I wrote it. Um, <laughs> uh, Revelations. Uh, I have. A, I'm gonna read this to you. Revelations 12, one through six. Now a great sign appeared in heaven: a woman clothed in the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her heads garlands of twelve stars. Then, being with child, she cried in labor and to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars in heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with the rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God in his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that she would be fed there for 1,260 days, hopefully not that long. <laughs> but um, the dragon being my addiction and the wilderness being the hope house, a place God prepared for me to escape the, the dragon, which, which was my addiction that almost devoured my child. They didn't know that 16 years ago, they began to prepare a place for a girl from Kansas and her unborn child to be able to find God and a new way to live. I can't wait to be the product of all their hard work. Pastor David and Miss Connie, thank you for doing so much more than what more than what normal people do. You do for your own lives and you do for us and our lives. And uh, and to God be the glory. And thank you for introducing me to Pastor Rhonda and Pastor Hank to give me a community, continue to flourish in even after I graduate. All of you are examples of what Christ is. And thanks to all of you, I'm able to learn how to be that for my children and my loved ones. Um, I think that I would be successful in the eyes of the Lord if I brought even one person closer to God. You all have so... You all have led so many, including myself, um, and it's exactly the will of God, of what you all are, and I thank you for your great examples, and uh, thank you for being obedient to our Father, that I now may live and honor him and all of you with the rest of my life, and I thank you for that. I don't know how I can follow all that up, but I'm going to start with Pastor Rhonda. Um, your heart for recovery, the queen for a day, celebrate recovery, your husband, it's just amazing. With you not being an addict, I don't know how you can, you know, love us like that. Um, it shows us that we're loved no matter what, no matter how ugly we are, how ugly our past is, and your love for the Hope House. You can meet somebody and 
15 months later, you know exactly what seat they were sitting in, exactly what they were wearing, <laughs> how they were wearing their hair that day. It's, it's amazing. Um, Pastor Hank, you, for showing us uh, that long-term sobriety is achievable and you could do anything with your future despite your past. Obviously, you're a pastor. Your past wasn't good. You know, um, your love for the Hope House and addicts in general, like Nicole said. Oh, Miss Connie. Uh, <laughs> um, for treating me like a daughter from day one. I don't know if I can really say anything better than that. Um, Pastor David, your heart for the Hope House, even on days you feel like you can't do it. Um, treating me like a daughter and uh, breaking my shell. I always swore I'd never be close to a man like that, but you did it. <laughs> but I love each and every one of you guys. Thank you. I wrote mine to all of you guys. Um, I want to start by saying that thank you guys so much for everything that you do for me. I'm so thankful that you have a heart for recovery. Um, thank you for loving me and for all the time that you spend with me. I've seen Jesus Christ in each one of you. The way that you're so faithful to me and never giving up on me and always encouraging me. Pastor Hank and Pastor Rhonda, I want to thank you for teaching me about Jesus Christ and for letting me know that he loves me and making him so real to me. Pastor David and Miss Connie, thank you for challenging me to be a better person and for you allowing me to be honest with myself and with you guys and accepting me that way. You guys are leaders, teachers, and most of all, you are my friends. Without each one of you, I would still be a broken and scared little girl. Thank you so much for everything you do, and I love y'all so much. To the pastors of my now and the mentors for my future, where do I begin to thank you? You have taught me acceptance and took me in as a stray and not an outcast by giving me an opportunity at life again. You had fed my fire for God with your easy explained sermons. You've spoke to me one-on-one, -on -one, treating me like someone worth saving and not the failure I had been. I've never met such people with the compassion, sincerity, let alone security that I find in you all. I can only hope to one day become part of the leadership that you have offered so many lost souls, including myself, in which I'm exceedingly grateful for. In such short time, I yearn for more of what you have to offer. And with that being said, thank you for letting me hang on to your shirt tail as you lead me down the road to salvation. After all, it is through leadership like you, we see Jesus, and through Jesus, we find victory. So once again, thank you for allowing me to be a part of your lives and your family. I look forward to being mentored by probably the best four pastors that God could have ever 
put, chose for me. Thanks again for all your beyond depth, overflowing love and belief in me. I want to start by saying thank you so much for, this is to Pastor David and McClain, for everything that you do and how much I truly appreciate it. I am so grateful that you accepted me into the Hope House. I am actually learning the true meaning of living because of you. I know I have failed you on several occasions, but not once did you treat me any different or second guess me, but you loved me and helped me through it all with arms wide open. You have taught me so much in the last eight months, including patience and how to handle situations that aren't going the way I want them to. And because of that, you helped me with something I will never forget for the rest of my life. I got to see Carly for the first time in 14 months. I also give a very special thanks to Pastor Rhonda for all the consistent prayer and teaching me to have more faith in God and how powerful, powerful prayers are. I am so grateful that you and Pastor Hank are a part of my life and always will be. I love y'all so much and couldn't ask for better people to be in my life than you. Y'all's story gives me hope. Hey, just bear with me. I'm new at this. I ain't been here long. <laughs> um, I really don't have a family here in the United States, but um, I would like to say I'm not very good with names. So God, please just bear with me on this. <laughs> um, I know I haven't been here long, but what time I have been here in almost two weeks, you guys are amazing, very amazing. Because if it hadn't been for Miss Connie and them taking me in, God only knows where I'd be. I'd probably be strung out underneath the bridge or in jail or dead. And I really want to thank all of you guys very much. I mean, you guys are part of my family. You are my family now. Like I said, I don't really have any family here. And I love you guys dearly. Just bear with me, Miss Connie. I know I've been sick, but I'm, I'm working through it. And I don't know. God bless you and God. First of all, Pastor Hank, I just first I want to thank you, your heart for recovery and for walking this before us and the way you live, your patience is great inspiration and in knowing that we can overcome and be successful, not just barely scrape by, but we can be successful and, and do what you're doing, heal others through our story and, uh, and I, that example is awesome and Thank you for allowing God to use you in that way to inspire us. Pastor Rhonda, the first time I met you, I thought you were a movie star. I thought, who is this woman that is so, but you're real from the inside out. Your beauty is not just outer, it's in. And the first sermon you, you've done was get out of my seat. And I still remember almost every part of it because I still say that. And then the saying where God doesn't come to pity parties. I never thought about that before, but every time I start to have a little pity for myself, I remember that. So I, God gave you that to give me on purpose. But you inspire us, and you're, you're relentless. You, you've tied our shoes. The Queen Esther, is, that alone is beyond 
anything I could have ever imagined. And it's just a taste of what a heaven's going to be like. Thank you for loving me, and thank you for your prayers and your support. And I miss being there on Tuesday to get to be with you. Um, but as we progress, that's just the way it goes. But my heart's always there. I love you. Miss Connie, you're the mother I always wanted. I, I have a mom. But she, did, she didn't show me the compassion that you have. And the day that I came back is forever etched in my mind. That you came out that door and you greeted me. You chose to love me. You didn't have to. I can't put that into words. You've loved me despite myself. You didn't let me give up when I wanted to. And when I was almost too ashamed to come back, when Leah said, Miss Connie wants you to call her, I knew that was my answer then. And thank you for being obedient and loving me, like I said, when nobody else would. You took a chance, and, and I'm forever grateful. Pastor David, I was, if I'd have wrote everything I said, y'all would have done went on to dinner. But one of the moments that stand out, one of the greatest moments is when you escorted me on that Esther ride. I couldn't have been more prouder than I was the day my dad walked me down the aisle. That will forever, and that picture means so much to me. Because you love me as much as I know my dad did, and and. and you know my flaws. I thought I, I pretty did a pretty good job of hiding from him. I probably didn't. But you knew my flaws. You called me out on some of them that I didn't think you knew. But you never gave up on me. And for that, I'm grateful. And I look forward to giving back. Just anything that, that y'all planted me, I want to bring it back. And I love y'all so much. Thank you. I'm not very good at this, so bear with me. Um, first, Pastor Rhonda, I appreciate you um, as all the stuff that you do for the Hope House, um, teaching me more about God and a better way of understanding him. Um, I really appreciate you with the letter that you wrote for the judge to help me get my son back. Um, I, uh, I appreciate you for the Esther, the Queen for a Day, even though I wasn't be able to be part of the Queen for a Day. The Esther made me feel very special and beautiful, but I haven't felt in a very long time. Pastor Hank, I really appreciate you showing everybody that recovery is possible. Pastor David and Miss Connie, I just wanted to let y'all know how much I appreciate y'all for not giving up on me when you probably should have and everybody else did. You are me more about how um, how to be an addict and help make me, uh, better choices and healthy choices. I would have never made it a year sober without you guys. I really appreciate y'all making the decision to let me move out to the cottage to get my children back. Now my little happy family is together again. I just want to thank you for everything you've done for me, and I really appreciate it all. I'd like to start this letter by thanking God for saving my life bringing me to the Hope House, and making me new by the blood of Jesus. For a while, I didn't think he would answer the prayer when my prayer was to die. I know how that must sound. 
I'd like to thank Pastor David for, for bringing to my attention that that prayer was answered. Um, the old me that lost me, that lost girl, did die. Um, thank you, Pastor David and Miss Carney, for accepting me into the Hope House and showing me a side of recovery that I didn't know. Recovery that's built on a foundation that's solid and for not shaming me, for having a faith-based program. To me, God is the only way. Our God is good all the time. Pastor Ona and Pastor Hank, thank you guys for introducing me to the Holy Spirit. Um, took me a while to understand that things became so clear when I uh, comprehended, you know, the word grace. That's huge to me. I learned that uh, God is in heaven and Jesus sits at his right hand and the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. So that um, helped me put everything together. It helped me to understand. Um, thank all of you for all that you do and all that you contribute to us and who you are and for loving us. For loving me and not giving up on me when I had given up on myself. I'm forever thankful. I was not planning on speaking. But um, uh, I started to go take Laura to work and um, it would be uh, I would feel shameful not expressing my appreciation um, for Pastor Hank and Pastor Rhonda. You guys are amazing. Um, the unconditional love and commitment that you show to the Hope House is beyond. Um, you love all of us, me included. Um, and you walk with us through every aspect of our lives, and that alone is, deserves honor. Um, Pastor David and Miss Connie. I um, thank you's not enough. Uh, you guys, uh, you guys will walk through the mud and the mire and all the ugly stuff to the very end. Um, because speaking for myself, you see potential in me that I've never seen in myself. You see leadership in me that I've never seen in myself. And uh, you push me to succeed. And um, you've taught me unconditional love. You've loved me through all of my failures and my successes. And um, I just want you to know how much I love you. And I love you. And I appreciate each one of you. Thank you for all those kind words. We have recorded them and documented them. And when you get mad and throw us under the bus, we're going to play that little portion. Uh, thank you so much for for your uh, your love and your. I think that uh, things have been shared that can't be taught; they've got to be caught. And you you've been very observant and you watch. It's easy to get up and say a bunch of words, but it's not so easy to live the life that you preach. You live the life you study. And I hope that all the pastors, and today I would like to add to this list Pastor Todd because of the incredible, phenomenal things he does that you never see. You, not, just, not just encouraging the body, but just, just stuff that nobody else wants to do. And we thank God for that. And I think about Josh, his involvement in years and years and years in, you know, the, the unsung heroes which is a good thing you don't get an office and have to clean it 
So there are good things about being the unsung hero. But thank you for uh, this very, very precious to us. The word said every time you come to the house of God, you have three things, a song, a testimony, and an offering. And today you've come with your testimony. And uh, if you are sitting in a chair saying, I wish I would have an opportunity to say something nice about Pastor Ronnie. You thought that thought and you, you pondered that. I want to give you an opportunity. I don't, I don't want just the Hope House to get to enjoy. But Pastor Ron, I got all, all kinds of things I'll say to you later. So there, <laughs> there, you, there, you, there you have it. Uh, quick word, brief word, go with me to Jeremiah. I don't believe that I have ever used this thought or this theme ever in 35 years of, of preaching. How scary is that? Jeremiah 46 and 17. Jeremiah 46 and 17. We'll begin by reading. They did cry there, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is but a noise. He hath passed the time appointed. The Pharaoh of Egypt is but a noise. He has passed the time appointed. When you go to a cemetery to honor those that have gone on to be with the Lord, you, you will notice that there's a date that determines and tells us when they're born. Then there's a date that determines and tells us when they, when they passed. And in the middle, there's a hyphen or a slash. And that represents their time here on earth things they did, the things they didn't do, the things they were a part of, the things that they were not a part of. I believe that all of us in, in some way or another has a bucket list of things that we would just love to be able to do or, or love to be able to maybe later in life. And I think that when you get to my age, and I remember the interview with Dr. Billy Graham a few months ago when they asked him, if he had to do it all over again, what would he do different? I don't know if you saw the, the testimony, but Billy Graham has touched the world and his ministry has touched the world. And Franklin Graham, following in Dad's uh, covering, just have, have touched the world. But Billy Graham said, if I, had, if I had to do it over again, I think I would have prayed more. I think I would have prayed more. I think I would have. I think, Josh, when we come to the end of life or whatever that door is, when you step into the possible to the impossible you realize that when you fall of a tree and break your wrist you probably can't jump out of a plane and there's things you can't climb Mount Everest so there's a window there when you realize I'm not as young as I used to be I'm not able to jump out there and, and do things that I used to do I think when you come to that window it's not the things that you have done that you regret because healing and transition takes place and God forgives you and you're, you walk in that healing and realize what God means to you. But I think that you're going to regret the most are the things you didn't do, the things you didn't accomplish. Here in the book of Jeremiah, it talks about a king, of a pharaoh of Egypt, that there was an opportunity, Pastor David, and he missed it. He missed the, op he had missed the design opportunity. And I do not want any of us in this room ever to come to a place where a door opened and we didn't step through it because we weren't either brave enough or, or seasoned enough or, or balanced enough. And I, I just want to look at a couple of things that uh, determine if, if we are where we are, we are where we are because there are people 
in our life that have done great things. And I'm reading the story of, of uh, and Pastor David, I can't even pronounce the battle that uh, Washington was wounded, was shot four times. When they took off his, his coat, there were four musket holes in his coat, but not a one of them touched them. What if one of those bullets had killed Washington and he had not been able to do what he was supposed to do? And then when I think about D-Day, June 6, 1944, what if the invasion of the Allies had not been successful? What if Adolf Hitler had put in, into motion his plan that he had for the world? And then I think about the Battle of Little Round Top at Gettysburg where the Obviously, the Union won, but what if the Union had not have won and the Confederates had have won? Would it make a difference? And I think about in our life, I think about what if David would have missed Goliath? What if Esther would not have fasted and prayed and saw the restoration of the kingdom? What, what if the, the, the Joseph and Mary did not listen to the angel and take the baby to, to hide the baby? What if all these things were to take place? Where would we be now? I look at a passage of scripture and it's found, if you want to go there, you may, it's not necessary. But it's in John, the 11th chapter, begins the first verse and goes through 40 verses. And what has happened, the day of the, the time of Christ's death is approaching. It's close. And while the disciples are all assembled together, he's getting them ready for his death, his burial, his resurrection. He gets a report. And he gets a report that his friend Lazarus was sick. We know that Jesus spent a lot of time with Mary and Martha. Um, Mary was the worshiper. Martha was the cookie uh, cooker. And she was the one that ministered and made his favorite cake and his favorite. But Mary was the one that honored him. And, you know, Martha got so mad that she's in the kitchen cooking by herself. Hello, you're the one that decided to cook. Don't in involve us if we're not. Hello. But she got upset because Mary is sitting here worshiping you and, and enjoy. And I'm slaving. I'm cooking. And, and Jesus said, you know, cooks you'll have with you always. But the worshipers are few and far between. You remember the story. And Lazarus obviously was a, was a buddy. I don't know if he had a man cave. I don't know if he and Jesus went down and saw the animals he killed or the fish he caught. Or I'm not sure what that was all about. But this was a special family in the life of Jesus. And when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he told the disciples, Lazarus is asleep. And, and they, didn't, they didn't get the metaphor. Then he finally told them, Lazarus is dead. They went to Bethany. And when they got to Bethany, as they approached the tomb of Lazarus, Martha runs out and makes a statement. If only you'd have been here, our brother would not have died. Someone told Mary, hey, Jesus is coming. And she ran out to greet him. Almost the exact same words. If you only you'd have been here, Lazarus would not have died. Our brother would not have died. And I think about all the if-only moments in our life. If only we had done this. If only we had done that. Can anybody relate? Shoulda, coulda, woulda. I'm reminded of a scarlet letter written by an author in the early 1700s where a young lady had committed adultery. And they gave her a big A to wear on her sweater. And everywhere she went, she wore that A to identify herself as an adulterer. You know, whether you wear an A for adultery or D for divorce or D for drug addict or whatever, that's not the way that Jesus sees you. And that's not the way that Jesus perceives you. And he wants to change what you think about yourself. So instead of walking around and saying, if only I'd have done this, if only I'd have done that, what if now I do what God has called me to do. What if I do it now? I don't remember the exact. That was good. We we'll said again. What if? What? No more. If only. Well, if I'd have been born in, you know, uh, Italy. If I'd. If I'd have had these parents. If I'd have gone to this school. If I'd have done. No. What if we start right now and say, 
What does God have for us on the here and now that we can be involved? Sometimes your bucket list is not all that exciting, all, all that wonderful. I remember for years as a, a very avid, uh, I really don't hunt, I kill. I really don't fish, I catch. Uh, there, 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 is, there is a difference. I met a man last night at the hospital, been hunting 15 years, has never killed a deer. I felt sorry for him. But, you know, on my bucket list, there was a desire to go to South Texas and to hunt what they call the Muy Grande. And you got to realize that this part of Texas is all, um, uh, help me, the mesquite and the cacti, just thousands and thousands of square acres. But wealthy people would go, and the hunt that I went on, they took about 800 acres. They put an eight-foot fence around the 800 acres, and then they went to Wisconsin, and they, per- they purchased a trophy whitetail buck. They brought it to Texas, and there they captured about 40 doe, and they allowed this buck to breed these does and get them all pregnant with because he was a quality buck. What they didn't realize that it would kill him and he would die, but he left his seed and so many doe that they all had pups and then the, or the fawns, and the fawns grew up and they began to breed, and they produced these deer that would score like over two. I know that means nothing to, to you, but they scored these deer, how long the times are, 200-class deer. So everybody that goes to Freer, Texas, when you buy an out-of-state license, you put $100 in the pot because whoever kills the biggest deer that year gets the prize of $100,000. I did not uh, give $100 and put it in the pot because when I got to this fancy resort and fancy estate, I learned that there were about eight or ten places where they had put a fence so the hogs couldn't get in, and there they had feeders, there they had a stand, there they had a box, and they would take you about 30 minutes before daybreak and put you in this box. And before they left, they would drop corn in front of the box, and when the sun came up, you would look at 40 dough and about eight bucks. And as they gave you a little camera, and as you decided what buck you wanted to harvest, we call it harvesting, not murder, but as you decide the buck you want to harvest, you take a video of it, and you, get, and you zoom in, you take a picture, then you take the video camera back to the cabin, and there the guide scores this buck. And he, he will tell you, okay, this is a $21,000 buck. This is a $13,000. In other words, they charged you going inside of a fence and shooting these deer that had been sequestered to spot. Well, you know what? I didn't have $21,000 for a, a, a trophy buck, so I asked if I could kill a javelina. Javelina is a little, I know you've not, but it's cool. It's, I, I, I used my sermon once in a while. But that was, that was my trophy, my trophy that I thought would be a big deal to go shoot one of these bucks. But, you know, anybody can shoot a deer inside a fence. So there was no challenge there. And I don't want to spend $20,000 when I can go out here to the ranch and for just a few dollars I can kill all the deer and eat all the deer that I want. And the person that's praying against me deer hunting, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I'm not seeing a deer in three days, so, so I'm going to have to fast and pray or offer up some kind of jerky, some kind of jerky offering to the great, great white God. But, but, but the, the, the point I want to make there is that, is that if God be for us, with if, if God be for us, who can be against us? And I think a lot of us in our life, I think that we have come to the place in our life where we're not sure that God really is for us. I mean, if you're raised and went through a divorce, or you're raised and went through an abortion, or if you're raised and went through some kind of, some kind of you, you bombed, you messed up, you failed, and it seems to be there's some kind of aura attached to you that you're a failure, that you're this, that you're that, 
uh, you'll, and you never grasp the fact that God really is for you. God really does care about you. God really does love you. He knew there would be a bump in the road. He knew there would be abortion. He knew there would be a, a drug moment. He knew that there would be a, a larceny. of. of he, he knew all that, but he still has a plan for you to connect to him where your best days are ahead. He's, he's, he, he sent his son, died for us that we could live, have life more abundantly, and he cares about you. You are all that and a bag of chips to God. And praise God, I thank God for the, for the, one, the ones in our life that, that went the extra mile. I think about Michelangelo doing the David. I think of Da Vinci painting Mona Lisa. I think of Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. I think about when man stepped on the moon. All these great accomplishments because someone determined not if only, but what if. D.L. Moody read the Bible and made the statement, if only someone would believe the word exactly as it's written, what, what could he do? And then he said, why couldn't I be that man? If God can do this, then why can't I do that? The Bible says, and help me, and uh, Pastor Warner will help me here. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Look at that word, if. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. God has the ability to turn things around in your life. And the girls mentioned today, 35 years ago, I was shooting coke between my toes. Lost everything I had. I literally lost everything I had, my health, my friends, my family, my marriage, my business. I lost everything. But then when I see where Jesus brought me from to where I am today, then I realize that he is a good, good God. And I love him, and I'm proud that he can do those things in our life. I wrote down just a couple of uh, uh, maybe just a, a word to encourage you. The name, I'll do it from memory, the, the name Howard Schultz. Does that name mean anything to anybody? Howard Schultz. In 1987, Howard Schultz, made, Howard Schultz made a decision to make an investment. He was a salary job making about $75,000 a year, and so he went to a great deal of trouble to borrow $2.7 million. And you know what he did with that $2.7 million? He purchased the franchise Starbucks five years later that franchise that he purchased for 2.7 million is now worth 227 million dollars look at someone say what if what if what if god nudged me in that direction what if god wanted me to move in that direction you've heard my story of colonel sanders 67 years old retired decides to cook his grandma's recipe cook some chicken, and you know the rest of the story. Colonel Sanders is almost in every single city in the nation because 67 years of age. And I think of a little waitress by the name of Marie, worked at just a little mom-and-paw shop, and one afternoon they had uh, run out of dessert, and they asked Marie if she would bake a pie and bring it the next day and use it for dessert. She went home, baked a pie, brought it back. The pie was so good that night, Pastor David, they asked her to bake two pies. She went home and baked two pies. When just a very short window, she had hired her mom, her dad, her aunt, her niece, her nephew to work for her in her kitchen making dessert for this restaurant. And, of course, you know that a few years ago, Marie Callender's, the entity sold for over $300 million just by someone saying, what if? What if there's something that I can do? I did, I did make a, uh, a little thing here about Romans 8, 1 says, there's therefore now. 
there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So the enemy cannot beat you up for your past, cannot beat you up for your, your failures. You take that, that lemon, look at somebody, take that lemon, and you know how to finish it, and you make lemonade. You take, you take the bad things in life, and you use it for God's glory. You begin to testify, and you see lives change, and God takes you from where you are and just makes you closer and closer to him. I wrote down four things that are very important, and we know that we, 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 we live this, we practice this, we teach this, and the fact that the word of God is alive and it's powerful, and it's able to change our hearts. Those of you that were not here last Sunday, we learned that in physics that your brain has 120 trillion nerve endings, and every time you memorize a phone number or a date or, or a historical event or something special, that thought that, that, that what, what you learn becomes fused to one of those 120 trillion nerve endings and that when you repent and give your heart to God and you confess the things you've done and you begin to weep, the tears begin to flow down your face, that's actually bad memories melting and creating a port for a new memory. And that's why when God brings us where he brings us from, then we fall in love with the word of God. We begin to, to, to live the word of God and we see things change because we do have, we do have a, a manual. We do have a how-to. It's here. What's so cool, it's an open book test. You are able to use the Bible anytime you want to solve any of the problems you might have. I wrote down four things here that are very important. It's important that you hear the word of God. Now, it's easy today with our smartphones, with our computers, everything going on. It's easy. Everything you do, everywhere you go, you can put something in your ear, and you can hear what God's Word has to say. Romans 10 and 17 says that faith, like some say faith, faith, cometh by hearing, hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's how important it is for you to actually hear it. You, you, reading out loud is very powerful. Listening to CDs and, and cassette tapes is very powerful. That you actually hear the Word of God. The second thing that you need to focus on is focus, and it's called meditation. David said in Psalms 5 and 2, Give ear to my word, O Lord. Consider my meditation, for under thee will I cry. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto you, and will look up. There's something. We have a real nice downstairs and it used to be Courtney's little suite, and now it's just kind of, it's kind of the room in the house that everything's always in order. I mean, it's really kind of cool. I mean, there's like, there's no, we have a trash can down there. So there's no, you know, everything in it. Pastor Ronnie has a pillow here, has her blanket pillow thing com combination going. Then over here, she's got the three candles, and then she's got the, and she's got the, she got picture of Christine, picture. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a, kind of a neat room because there's no mess down there. There's no crumbs. Uh, there's no empty coffee cup. And sometimes I just go down there and sit. And I, I just sit and think, and I just think about his goodness and what he's done for me. And it makes me want to get a cup of coffee and bring it down and get that special room, you know, occupied. But there's something not just about hearing the word of God, but meditating on the word of God. The third thing that I think is important that we are to speak what the word of God has to say. Uh, Joshua 1 and 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Look at somebody, someone say good. Because is there bad success? Absolutely. Absolutely. In, in the secular world, I have many friends and I have many acquaintances that are miserable. They're miserable. They have clothes in their closet. They've never taken the price tags off. They're driving an $83,000 BMW. 
They're living in an $11,000 mansion with their own personal cook and housekeeper. But they are the most miserable people in my life right now. And I'm trying to encourage them, love on them, and, and letting them know that their best days are ahead. But what should it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? It's important not just to hear it, not just to think about it, but to begin to speak it. And if you're not careful as you study and as you pursue the things of God, your whole vernacular, your whole vocabulary will change, and you'll, you'll see yourself saying things like, well, if God be for us, then who could be against us? And all of a sudden, you know, he begins to say, there's no condemnation in Christ. Forgetting those things which are behind. I press toward, I can do all things through Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And you will be confronted by an obstacle. And instead of freaking out, paranoia, and, and going and medicating, your attitude is going to be, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthen me. And that's the fourth thing that needs to take place. There needs to be the ability to mix the word with faith. And that's where the balanced study, the balanced teaching, you learn what the word of God has to say, you apply the word of God. It's obvious you, you just can't randomly choose to just pick and choose what the Bible has to say. That can be very dangerous. Pastor David, I went in the morning and took my Bible, and I said, well, let's just see what the Lord has for me today. And I start whistling Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, and I just do, well, look, I think, I think God has this for me. Okay, it says Judas went and hanged himself. Huh, I wonder what God is trying to say to me through this cup of coffee. Well, let's see. Lord, I'm open to your spirit. Speak your servant listening. Go and do likewise. How many of us had to be a very dangerous way to read the word of God, to apply the word of God? to walk in the Word of God. We need to know what the Word of God has to say. Speak it. Write it down. I'll tell you a very human story in, in closing. I, um, as most of you know, there was a window in my life that I was in construction, and, and I built homes, and I built buildings, and that's, that's kind of what I did. In, in learning how to do all that, I was working for my uncle uh, in San Diego, California, and there he was framing hundreds of homes in my my my. Uh, job required me to go and frame the house, stand the walls up, and, and brace them off, and somebody would come put the trusses up. But uh, I, re I remember as we were there in uh, San Diego, uh, and I was, I was staying with my aunt at that particular time until I get my own my own thing worked out, and I did. It happened. But I went in one morning into her into her bathroom, and she was really into that home interior stuff, the home interior stuff. And right over the where the where the uh, toilet paper was, there was this sign. And it was a statement from the Word of God, and it said Proverbs 119.11. And so I got to looking at that statement over the bathroom while I was meditating, and I went in, I told my aunt, I said, Auntie, I said, this is Proverbs 118. She said, yeah, this is one of our most popular uh, items, right? It goes free. If you give a party, you get one of these free. I said, Auntie, there's only 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, not 118. So my aunt called the office and said, you're not going to believe this, but you're, this, this, this plaque, it says Proverbs 118, and there's only 31 chapters in Proverbs. And the, 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 the rep said, 
how in the world, how, how in the world did you figure that out? How in the world did you determine it? She said, well, I've got a nephew that's running from God, but he still has the word of God planted heart of the child, and he's the one that brought the strict engine. And they had to recall all of them and throw them away. You, could, you just throw, throw them all away. And I was thinking about the, the, the importance of knowing what God's word has to say and knowing where it's at. Those are important. As every head is bowed, every eyes closed just for a minute. Thank you that we have brought a song, we have brought a testimony, we have brought an offering. We have come not to find people, we've come to find Christ. We are here this morning, and we just want to soak up all that you have for us. We want to take all that you have for us. We want to, we want to be used in all that you have for us. Let today be a brand new day, first day of the week. We spent the first day of the week worshiping and, and praising and listening and, and sowing. Let this week, let some doors open. Let some opportunities arise. Let's begin to see some, some things that we can do in the kingdom. Let us set our goals a little higher. Let, it, let us take on just a little bit more than we can chew. And let us determine that we are going to be all you've called us to be because your word declares it. We believe it. And that settles it in Jesus' name. Um, what a great day. What a great moment. A great time to be alive. I, I did. Uh, we are not recording now, right? I did want to make you aware. Um,